Akwasi and this is Sharaya Wakana. I am coming to you in, from 2022 and I am doing an update for my Passover episode from last year from 2021. I just got done listening to it. I hit a lot of good points. There are a few things I do want to add. Primarily, I would like to add the dates for this year. So let me get those to you. So the important dates for the month of Abib are, um, firstly, on Thursday, March 31st, 2022, that will be the new moon, aka Kadash or Kodesh. It um, begins March 31st, ends at night on April 1st, and that is our new year. Passover, it begins on the 14th day of Abib, but not at the beginning, at the evening of the 14th day. That means the 14th day, it begins on April 13th. However, since the actual occurrence of Passover is just a small window at the evening of the 14th day, um, that means on Ironically, April 14th, which is, it's unusual to have it be on the same numeric day as um, the biblically prescribed um, new lunar day, Um, but April 14th, um, sometime between astronomical sunset and astronomical, the end, so luckily, the end of astronomical twilight that's when you want to have the Passover service. That's when you're going to do your bitter herbs, your unleavened bread, your lamb, and your wine, and your commemoration of um, the Exodus, the Passover, and um, Yahawashai sacrifice, crucifixion, okay, his death. So then, and that again, the Passover is... Um, a holy convocation and that night flows right into the first day of Feast of Unleavened Bread so April 14th through April 15th that is the first day of Unleavened Bread that's your holy convocation uh, that's your non-work day etc etc then once again it's on a Thursday night and it's going to end on a Friday night and that means all of your buying and selling and any of that prep work that needs to be done needs to be done before the sundown on Thursday because if you forgot anything, it's going to be too bad. You cannot go get it. So plan ahead, plan ahead, plan ahead. Last important day is Wednesday, April 20th. That is the last day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Um, Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover um, in the scriptures are used interchangeably. But um, technically, it's the last day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So, April 20th, Wednesday, to Thursday, April 21st. That is the last day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It is another holy day. You are supposed to have a holy convocation. um, And you're not supposed to work. You're not supposed to buy. You're not supposed to sell. It is a holy day. So those are the dates I want to point out. Please, please, please do not get confused with the dates that I'm saying in the episode because those are for 2021. 
these dates that I just gave you and I'll probably repeat them at the end of the episode just to make sure you have them clear. These are the dates you need for 2022. This is Shirai Yavakana, and welcome back to A Woman's Halakha. This episode is going to be going over Passover. Passover is coming up here in a couple of weeks, so um, I'm late getting this out because I usually like to get it done about a month ahead of time, so everyone has ample time to prepare, but um, this will at least give you roughly about two weeks to prepare, so... Um, you gotta get on the horn, gotta get it done. Um, so let me let you, let me tell you, um, about Passover so you know what it is and what you need to do for it. Um, and this is really important because there's a lot of misinformation that has been given out over the years and still is currently given out, uh, about the rules and regulations of Passover. So, um, you know, uh, a lot of times people use the idea that since we're in captivity that um, we don't have to do certain things or we don't have to observe Passover and that's just simply not true. So let's just get into the nitty gritty of it. Uh, I'm going to try to be as direct and succinct as possible. Um, There is a whole lot to discuss, and so I think I just not going to, it's not going to be one of those short episodes where I can just, you know, knock it out. So it's going to be a lot of editing for me, and that's what I'm going to try to avoid. So like I said, you know, there's always a lot of people that use the fact that we're in captivity as an excuse for why we are not supposed to keep the Passover or shouldn't do it a certain kind of way, the way the scriptures say. So um, I will say this when it comes to following the laws and the Torah or the Torah, it's um, you, you're going to find a lot of excuses why not to do something. And so I challenge you to find the reasons why or Find the ways you can make it happen. There's a whole long list of justifications and reasons why you can't or why you shouldn't or why it doesn't work. But ask yourself, well, how can I make it work? And then you're more likely to succeed. That is my challenge to you, not in just regards to Passover, but for keeping the laws of the Torah in general. So here we go. We're going to... And this is going to be um, some reading of the scriptures. It's not just me talking, so you know exactly, so you can know exactly what where I'm coming from. So let's start. Um, we're, our beginning point is Leviticus 23 verses 5 through 8. Leviticus 23 verses 5 through 8, starting at 5. In the 14th day of the first month at even is Elohim's Passover. So, this year, 
Um, our new year begins on March 12th, the evening of March 12th. So that's the first day of the new year. That is the Kadash or the new moon. That is the black new moon. It will be, um, <clears throat> it happens to fall on a Shabbat, on the seventh day weekly Shabbat. But since it is um, a new moon or a Kadash, we are allowed to cook on that day. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are allowed to cook on that day. But we still can't do the things like we would normally do. Just like no buying, no selling, no pleasures. It's a day still for dedicating it to the Most High and His Word. But um, it is a little bit more festive in the fact that we can cook. Okay. And going back to the verse, the Passover will this year be on the um, March 26th at dusk. That again, that's a Friday. So Passover begins on March 25th around dusk. So um, let me just remind you. In this verse, it says it's going to be the 14th day at even. The 14th day actually does begin at night on March 25th. March 25th is when the 14th day begins. But this verse says it's going to be at even. So that's why we're having the Passover on March 26th. Okay? Um... And so, and I said at dusk or evening, it's before the sun goes all the way, all the way down. So sometimes after, and these, I'm going to be using some, a little bit of um, astronomical lingo. Um, it's going to be sometime after the um, astronomical sunset, uh, with, which is what the sunset that they um, give you on your average um news broadcast when they're doing the weather they'll give you a time for sunset well if you've ever noticed when they give you that time that time they let you still see light in the sky so it's basically that the sun um you cannot visually see the sun but there's still light in the sky from the sun um and so we will be having um our uh, feast begin sometime around uh sunset and between then you, when you once you get sunset, then your next level of um, twilight is called civil twilight, and it'll be sometime between civil twilight and nautical twilight that you will have the feast. And remember, Passover is one of the three holy days that all men are commanded to attend. So notice it's all men, not every person. So, so there will be times where women will be unclean for whatever reason and they won't be able to attend but your husband is still supposed to attend even if you are not able to go and um if you're not familiar with that please reference deuteronomy 1616 deuteronomy 1616 in which um the three prescribed times that all males should appear before the most high are um, the feast of unleavened bread the feast of weeks and the feast of tabernacles and it also says that they shall not appear empty before um before yahweh um and so one thing that you must take into consideration when we're dealing with 
these um, laws that were given up to us, particularly in regards to the holy days and the days that require sacrifice. Well, we the sacrifices are only supposed to happen in Jerusalem, at the temple, by the Levites. You at this day and age, we do not have high priests. We do not have Levites set in place. We do not have a temple. You can go to Jerusalem, uh, the real Jerusalem, the one that is on the map labeled Jerusalem. You can go there, but um, and, and if you can do that, please do so and try to keep it to the best of your ability. But if you cannot, see, this is where captivity comes into play. If you cannot, you know, there are, you can't make it. And so we're supposed to keep it in our captivity the best that we can. If you don't believe me, look at Tobit. Like I said, I'm not going to be doing a whole, whole bunch of going from scripture to scripture. It just takes too much time. But I'm going to give you the, the, the tidbits and you can go and you can dig in yourself and research and see what it says. So, it says you can't not to appear before the most high empty. So when you're talking about that, it's not talking about not bringing something to the feast. What it's talking about is that it's talking about um, a sacrifice. And like I just said, we're not making sacrifices. So it doesn't really apply. However, I personally do say that it is in my opinion and isn't just in, in generally good manners for everybody to bring something to a feast and not come empty, empty handed. That's just something that you learn as um, primarily a female when you're going someplace, you know, it's polite to bring something, especially when you're bringing other people. So it's not mandated by law, but it is good manners, okay? Um, Leviticus 23 verse 6 and on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto Yahweh seven days ye must eat unleavened bread okay so what happens is so I told you on the 14th day at even we start the Passover what happens is as you're having your feast you flow directly into the 15th day of of the first month which is the beginning of the feast of unleavened bread that feast runs seven days and you're supposed to eat unleavened bread each of the seven days so a lot of times there's confusion about this no there's not a day in between you're at the feast you're in the 14th day the sun goes all the way all the way down you're feasting you're having a good time you have now entered into the 15th day you are now in the feast of unleavened bread so that means all of the, the prerequisites for observing the holy day of Passover need to be taken care of before you go off to your feast, okay? So Leviticus 23 verse 7, in the first day ye shall have an holy convocation, ye shall do no servile work therein. So the first day, the first day, again, um, will be March, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is March 26th. And it ends on March 27th. Sundown to sundown. It'll be a Shabbat. It, since it is a commanded feast day, we are allowed to cook once again. But once again, there should be no work, no school, no buying, no selling, no sex. You can cook. 
and you must attend a holy convocation if there's one within your gates, okay? Uh, verse 8, but ye shall offer an offering made unto the fire unto Yahweh seven days, and the seventh day is an holy convocation, ye shall do no silver lion work therein. So once again, this is talking about that ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto Yahweh seven days, and the seventh day is a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. So, pretty self-explanatory. However, let me give you the dates. Um, the day, the seventh day begins on Thursday, April 1st at evening, and ends on Friday, April 3rd at evening. So, again, in re referencing the scriptures, talking about offerings, we're not doing offerings. So, that at this point in the game is not applicable but one thing that jumped out at me when we were when I was preparing is that um, this seventh day will end on Friday night which is running directly into a regular seventh day Shabbat so you must plan ahead you will not be able to buy you will not be able to sell you will not be able to work you will not be able um, to do any cooking after the sun goes down and after the piece of unleavened bread is over. So any preparation that you need to do um, for Shabbat needs to be done on that Friday, just like normal, even though it's a, um, a holy convocation. So you need to kind of, you're going to have to plan. If you got to go to a holy convocation, that means you're going to have to do a lot of your prep work earlier so that um, when you do run into the seventh day Shabbat that you're all set. All your cooking, all your buying needs to be done before um, Thursday evening. Okay, so plan ahead. And, and that also goes into your traveling too. Plan around these holy days. Don't just say, oh, well, we're in captivity. It's a holy day. I gotta go. I'm gonna gotta get back to work. You know, it's gonna be better for you to cut your festivities short a little bit if you've got to be at work on Saturday night rather than going and buying um, gas and food and snacks and stuff um, to travel back home on the Shabbat okay so make your plans that it's like I said it's better for you if you can to just observe at home and do it with your own family if that is the alternative to breaking the Shabbat. All right. Uh, ideally, you can take the whole. In in in, in Israel, um, a lot of times in the Orthodox communities, they take the whole week off, and they the, the shops don't open, and they they uh, they celebrate all week. So if you're able to to do that, and you've planned for your vacation time accordingly. Hallelujah, hallelujah, because that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's where we sometimes have to compromise um, and that we can't do everything exactly perfect. But, you know, we definitely need to try to do the best that we can. And so schedule your time and your traveling and your buying and selling so that you are not breaking the Shabbat, okay? So like I said, because when April 2nd comes and goes, and it's fully, fully nighttime, you're in the seven-day Shabbat. And you are now done with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Here's a quick side note for you. If you're looking and doing research or reading, and you, you will see, you'll notice that Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread, um, Passover a lot of times is used in place of 
Feast of Unleavened Bread to encompass all seven days. However, technically, Passover is that small window of time at the 14th day at evening, right before the sun goes down. I'm going to just kind of go over the first Passover and you see a lot of the laws uh, for the first Passover and how they did it um, and what was commanded um, as, as Yasha Allah to do. So again, you know, not all of this is required for us to do at this present time because um, we do not do sacrifice. So this is everything that this first Passover was about was about the sacrifice um, and was the sacrifice for the Most High in order for him to bring us out of Egypt um, and to pass over each of the houses. So not to go into that story too much because most of you already know it, but we're going dealing with the actual feast and um, what we are doing and since we're not doing the actual sacrifice itself we are rehearsing the righteous acts so that means try to get this done to the best of your ability if there's things that you can't do in their entirety then you know just do your best okay and then you know like I said challenge yourself so maybe this year won't be perfect but maybe you know, next year you can get it perfect because you can, you know, be on the lookout for a lamb and be, you know, scouting around. And really what you got to do is kind of like drive around um, and you go into the country areas and you see lamb and, you know, you talk to the right people um, or you, you know, knock. I know this is kind of odd, but maybe you knock on somebody's door, especially if it looks like they um, run a business from their home and you can figure that out if they have signs or they look very um, industrial uh, from the exterior of their house uh, or their land because you'll see like lots of barns and it'll just look more like man they do this like as a business and not just for their own personal so you know the, the more you learn the more you do it the better you get at it so that's my challenge to you once again but we're gonna go to Exodus um, 12 and we're gonna hit verses 3 through 6 and 8 through 10 so Exodus 12 verses 3 through 6 8 through 10 I'm at verse 3 right now it says speak ye unto all the congregation of Yahshua Allah saying in the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. So on the 10th day, we were supposed to select a lamb according to the size of our family. Um, and each house was supposed to do that. Verse four, and if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house, take it according to the number of the souls every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb so if your house was um 
uh, you know, you only had a couple members of your household, um, and you had this lamb, and you're like, man, we're not gonna be able to eat all that, not in one night, um, you were supposed to get with your neighbor, and hopefully, you know, they had enough people to kind of balance it out so that you would be able to consume the whole lamb, okay, um, and again, like I said, you know, right now your actual physical neighbor might not be in the truth. So maybe it's your neighbor within the congregation and you guys work together and go in together on a lamb because a lamb can be pretty Pisces. Um, and, you know, uh, you need more than just, yeah, honestly, you need more than just two families unless you got like a lot of grown children. So you would need more than one lamb, more than two families for one lamb more than likely it just depends on how little the lamb is but the lamb has to be within one year so it's not going to get way way big but you know uh, verse six and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of yasha'ala shall kill it in the evening so right here we're on the 14th day and at evening, everybody goes and kills their lamb. At evening, so for us, that would be once again on March 26th. If we were doing this for real, on March 26th in the evening, um, we would be trying, we'd be killing our lamb. And I believe, and you'd have to go double check for yourself, you don't need to take my word for it. I believe Josephus says they started. Um, cooking the lamb at 3 p.m. So it's a little bit more, um, a little bit more earlier of an evening that we're accustomed to. But um, you know, obviously, it, you can see that it's going towards the end of the day because you know your lamb's going to take a little while to cook. And let's read about that right now, okay? Verse eight. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roasted fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. So the lamb was supposed to be roasted with fire that evening of the 14th day of the first month. And they're supposed to be eaten with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. So um, beyond this, there's not that, there's not anything else until you get into um, where Yahawashai is um, breaking the bread and he drinks wine. So wine is the other, only other thing. But this is like the only three mandates. Lamb, unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. So don't get caught up in having something super lavish if that's not what you can do right now. That's not what's important. These three things are what is mandated and okay so like i said since this is not a sacrifice if for whatever reason you are having the toughest of times like shira we have zero money you know like da 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 okay so i you know there are things you can hopefully do to kind of juggle things around you got two weeks to figure things out um but if it comes down to it and all you can get for your meal is, you know, I don't know, rice and beans. You know, try to find a little bit of uh, bitter herb, which we'll go over in a minute. Get yourself one, one, yes. Get yourself one steak. Cut it up. All you need is a bite. 
the heat, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be great to have more than that, but if you can't do it, that's what I'm saying. These are the circumstances in which, oh, we're in captivity. That, you know what I mean? Like, and, and it's not even that we're in captivity so much as the fact that it's not a sacrifice and it's not the first Passover, so we're not obligated to do the same things in the same way. Um, but we're just aiming to try to repeat. So, like I said, if you, if it comes down to it, get, you know, you can't afford to get much lamb, get a little bit. Everybody gets a bite. You have satisfied the requirement. All good, okay? And unleavened bread. All you need is some flour and some water. Really, that's all you have to have. Um, a lot of times you can get that at a food pantry. Um, and then you just have to worry about your bitter herbs. And so a lot of times you can get that. Um, maybe you might be able to get that at a food pantry. Uh, maybe you might. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But I'm going to say it real fast so I don't forget. But dandelions. Can you find some dandelions like around? All you need is a couple little sprigs of the leaves. And you're good to go. So don't put too many obstacles in your path. Try to be creative. Um, you know, don't get caught up on, I don't have money, so I can't do this. You know what? I'm sure the Most High will really appreciate your total effort in trying to be compliant and in its most minimal form when you don't have it as opposed to all of the... I'm going to say pomp and circumstance, where it's just a lot of extra stuff that doesn't need to be done. It looks nice. It is pretty. It's fun to be at, but it is more than is required, okay? Verse 9, eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head and his legs, and, and with the pertinence thereof. So... This is giving you more specificity of how to cook the lamb when you're roasting it with fire. So you're not supposed to boil it or cook it or sodden it. That's what the sodden is, is boiling it. Um, you know, a lot of times we boil our meats to kind of get that blood out of it a little bit or maybe make it a little bit <coughs> more tender. So we're not supposed to boil it at all with water. We're just supposed to keep it whole, remove the pertinence thereof, which is like the inner organs and the entrails. Um, so the pertinence thereof is like the innards. And according to Strong's, more specifically, the entrails, because you don't want to eat that. Um, and so like, it, no, no, the head wasn't supposed to be broken the legs weren't the head was not supposed to be taken off the legs are supposed to be intact not broken um it's supposed to be a whole so so a lot of people get kind of thrown off with like how am i gonna roast a whole lamb there's ways to do it you know and it depends on how big your lamb is you know if you can get a smaller lamb it's gonna fit on a bigger on a on a bigger um grill like one of the barrel drum grills um you can also and look up different stuff you can also like make a pit and just you know have a fire pit and you know and just kind of put it in the ground 
Um, so if you start planning right now, and like I said, ideally, I should have done this two weeks ago. If you start getting on the ball right now and like looking up videos on how to roast a lamb whole, because you could do it like how you could do it like how they do for like a pig roast, and um, the indigenous peoples and the um, so-called Hispanics are notorious for pig roast. So if you don't know how to do it, maybe you can ask an a titi or a tío, because they might know how to do it and how to set it up. Um, but you just put them on the spigot, and then you can just kind of rotate them around like they do how they do a pig, but you're doing it righteously for a lamb. Okay, same principle, same thing. Don't get intimidated, okay? People have been doing this for millennium, okay? So we can do it too. And verse 10, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning, ye shall burn it with fire. According to verse 10, during our first Pesach, Passover, um, we were not allowed to leave any of the lamb remaining until the morning. It had to be all consumed before the morning time. So, and also, if you read for your own edification, but we stayed up all night eating also. You had plenty of time to consume that lamb because you had all night. Um, but, and you're supposed to get it according, remember, you're supposed to get it according to the size of your family or the couple, fam the one or two families that you had that you were sharing it with so that, again, there would be no waste. Um, once again, since this is not a sacrifice, that requirement is not mandated. Um, you can leave it overnight. Um, but once again, if we're rehearsing the righteous acts, we are trying to follow these to the best of our ability and trying to, um, you know, do a proper head count and get the proper amount of, fit of, of lamb so we don't have a whole lot left over. And like I said, stay up all night, enjoy yourself, feast, eat up the lamb, okay? I'm going to just say this one more time. Your only requirements are the unleavened bread, which you can make yourself. You don't have to get purchase it bitter herbs lamb and when you go look at what you, you know the 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 ceremony that Yahweh I had with his disciples prior to him being crucified there was wine involved so I would recommend that get a kosher wine um but that is it for the first observation of Passover for the Passover itself falls in line with the fact that it was the first Passover that that, that applied to for the sake of uh, being brief but read it for yourself so Mo Yahweh gives Moses the instructions Mo Masha gives the elders and the people the instructions 
that they're supposed to, you know, um, there's a, how they're supposed to kill the lamb, when they're supposed to kill the lamb, um, taking the blood and then putting it on the doorposts, and um, that, and then, you know, as most of us already know, that that spirit, that death spirit, would pass over those houses that had the blood on the doorposts. So these are things that were for the that we see as instructions for the first Passover. This this in particular is for the first Passover exclusively. So I have seen where some people will still do that, but we don't see that as a commandment for any subsequent Passover. So when you go to those laws um, in um, in Leviticus and then in Deuteronomy about Passover, you don't see that portion about putting the blood on the doorpost. So therefore, if we know it was mandated for that night because it was special circumstances. Um, and let me read what the sister was talking about, okay, real fast. Exodus 12, 29. And it came to pass that at midnight, Yahweh smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. So that's what she says. So, so forget everything else. We're, she's going by this and now it's essentially what she's saying is that um, while you killed the lamb um, on the 14th day, the actual Passover event, therefore, for the sake of our purposes, we're not supposed to be commemorating Passover until midnight, um, which would be then the, you'd be in the 15th day. So while she is true and correct in stating that we did have that Passover, the actual occurrence when the death spirit went through Egypt and smote the firstborn did happen at midnight. We have to go to the law and where we're told how to commemorate. So the actual event and the directions for commemoration are a little bit different because there was um, events happening in real time that had to be done a certain way according to the Most High. And when you're dealing with, but they're not going to read, well, they're not going to happen every year. I'll put it like that, okay? They're not going to happen again every year where you have to, where it's going to be the same sequences of events where we're, you know, having the death angel, we're leaving our captivity. It's not happening every year. So when you go to Leviticus 23, verse 5, well, let's go to verse 4. These are the feasts of Yahweh, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. Now we're being told how to have these holy feasts. And verse 5, of course, is our first one, which is Passover, because that's the first big feast that we have in the year, and it's in the first month. And the 14th day of the first month at even is Yahweh's Passover. So right there... That nips that kind of logic in the butt. In the bud. He's telling us right here, this is how I want it done. And I think people kind of forget that 
you know, the most high will say certain things and then come right back and say, but this is what I want you to do. So this is one of those circumstances. We had an actual event. It happened a certain kind of way. And then he comes back and says, okay, so from now on, this is what you do. And so from now on, in the 14th, verse 5, once again, in the 14th day of the first month at even is Yahweh's Passover. And then verse 6, I'll read it. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto Yahweh. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. I'm going to go ahead and do verse 7 while I'm at it. In the first day ye shall have an holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. So that is that. Also, you know, one nice little tidbit that I did leave out was that in Exodus 12, 26 and 27 and this is something that is kind of it's important to remember and it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you what mean ye by this service 27 that ye shall say it is the sacrifice of Yahweh's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Yasharallah in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed the head and worshipped. One of these things that's important is that while well, we're supposed to remember the bitterness of our captivity from with the bitter herbs, but it's also very just as important to when we are um, commemorating Passover to make sure the children are included in the, and that the service can be understood understood at a child's level and if not the whole service come back and somebody else follow up with the kids so they understand what the significance is so they understand the importance of this day um a prince of egypt is a fairly good um animated story to play during this time so they can have a visual representation Although, of course, you know, for accuracy, you're going to want to interject here and there. But, you know, just don't forget the kids. They, um, it's so important that, you know, they are learning and understanding and um, really can um, relate to the significance of what this is that we're celebrating. So that's another a uh, little tidbit right there that this memorial should include, um, you know, the what happened and that the kids can understand it so that they, when they're older, can educate their children also. Now let's move into how do we do this now or do we even do this now? So right now I'm in Exodus 12, 14, Exodus 12, 14. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial and ye shall keep it a feast to Yahweh throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. So that last word right there should be pretty self-explanatory, but for some reason, People say that you're not supposed to keep the Passover because we're not 
Jerusalem. However, we see here clearly that it is an ordinance forever. And like I said before, check out Tobit. Tobit was um, celebrating Pentecost. And if you've ever looked at how Pentecost is calculated, it is calculated from based on Passover. So that means he was celebrating Passover also. And hold up. Tobit was in captivity. So that is the example that we see is that even though we're in captivity, no matter where we are, we are supposed to keep these holy days. Problem solved. Oh, and it's forever. So yeah, we're supposed to be doing this right now. Exodus 12, 15. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven, leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until, until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Let me reread that. Exodus 12, 15. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. All right, the directions given are that for seven days we must eat unleavened bread. Okay, we so every day you're supposed to find some piece, at least one little morsel of of unleavened bread. And, you know, nowadays there's so many um, allergies and excuses, but also it's such a blessing because there's so many alternatives to the there's so many alternatives to those things that are um very reactive as far as allergies can you you got to get some at least some morsel of unleavened bread into your body okay plan ahead and um you can do it you i'm gonna be like the water boy you can do it okay um so let me give you some examples of unleavened bread some examples include the matzahs that you see at your local grocery store in the Jewish section so they're like big dry crackers um, and they'll say kosher for Passover and I believe that they have different flavors, but I'm not positive if those say kosher for Passover. Um, but I can kind of touch on, hopefully I can remember to kind of touch on that in a minute. So, but matzahs are very accessible usually um, if you're in America and in like a, in any kind of semi-large city. Um, tortillas, both flour and corn, but let me just preface all of this by saying always, always, all capitals, bold, italics, underline, always, 
I'm screaming at all ways look at your labels unless you're 100% sure because you've bought it before and you've already looked at the label check your labels if this is new for you check your labels and make sure that you do not see the word yeast anywhere in the list of ingredients okay because every now and then you will find flour tortillas with yeast in them so while i can say in general most of them do not there are some that do and you must look at them i'm gonna tell you what the best way to avoid having leavening in your home is to use you know like whole foods or just the basic raw ingredients so you know exactly what is going into your foods okay not necessarily the most easy thing to do but it works it works it avoids a lot of headaches so but let me continue other items that are considered generally speaking okay to eat would be triscuits um pancakes homemade unleavened bread um naan chapati cornbread uh, things of those nature um, and you're going to say, uh-uh, Shirah, because such and such, such and such, because there's baking soda in it, or there's baking powder in it. Well, let's just go into what the next um, section of that verse says. It says, even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. So... What's really important here is to understand what leaven is. <sighs> Big sigh. <laughs> you actually heard that one. This is the challenge here and that people don't seem to understand is that when you read things in English, um, the English has um, transformed and evolved and definitions have changed over time so what we want to do is we want to remove the biblical leaven that hebrew word for that is sha'ar sha'ar and it is strong's number h7603 uh the definition of it from strong's strong's is leaven barm the froth on fermenting malt liquor or yeast cake as swelling by fermentation. Uh, the root word of it is um, to swell up, i.e. be uh, causative, causatively made redundant, um, meaning basically to leave it, let it sit, remain, uh, let it remain out. Uh, rest, res uh, a reserve, or a remnant piece, a remnant, I'm going to say, I'm adding to it, remnant piece, okay? So, and it, it also has the same Hebrew letters and has the same word of Sha'ar, uh, but it's Strong's root word, the root word for the Strong's, the Strong's number is 7604, so they're right next to each other. That's how close they are. Um, so what this is basically saying is that when you're dealing with a leaven, you're dealing with um, a fermentation process. 
at you're dealing with um, leaving something to sit and swell up um, and also you're dealing with um, and it will go into the reference first but you know when you take a little piece off you put it to the side you incorporate it into your new dough you let it sit you let you cover it up you let it swell over time usually um, you know overnight minimally just depending on the type of bread you're supposed to make um, and that's where that concept of a little leaven leaveneth the lump the whole lump uh, because you just took a little piece so look I go do your research understand how bread's made you know dig in deeper it's you know it's more complex than just at all leavening it's not it does not include baking soda it does not include baking powder it does not include eggs it does not include vinegar okay your what you are looking for on your packages is yeast oh and this okay so this is the part that i was thinking about that i was hoping that i would remember um is that you know a lot of the amalekites they will put a restriction on using flour so when we went to israel they okay so they cheated because this is going to i'm going to talk about it in a minute but they didn't get rid of in the stores they didn't get rid of all their leavening probably because they've come up with a justification through the Talmud in which you don't have to, you know, dispose of that. It's too much of a financial hardship, blah, 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 right? So that's not what the scriptures say, but what they do is they won't sell any flour or any of their products that they have in their inventory that have flour in them. They'll just cover them up. So there'll be a whole row where they just cover it up and you're not allowed to buy it. So <clears throat> when we were there in this Orthodox community, we would have to go to where the Muslims were to get flour. And I was like, hide the contraband. Because they don't do flour. They don't do regular flour. They do like potato flour or I don't know, rice flour a lot of potato flour is what they usually do, but we don't see that in the scriptures. We don't see that they got rid of their flour, you know, that they didn't do, they didn't touch their flour. We don't see that. And from my understanding, the way it was explained to me and somebody is, you can feel free to further investigate is that they don't do it because, um, well, if they do use it, it has to be, um, you know, made into whatever is going to be made into within like a I'm going to say 5 to 15 minute time frame from the time that the water comes in contact with the flour um because they don't want it to begin to um have that causation and reaction of creating yeast now once again we don't I don't see that in the scriptures where you, they got rid of their flour. I think, um, personally, you know, yeah, you want to make your stuff fresh, you know, you don't want to have it sitting around because that's not what we're doing. Sitting for more than, you know, if you sit it, let it sit for 20 minutes, I personally, personally, that's my personal opinion, I don't see it as a violation because, yeah, you do need to, like, let your dough rest a little bit um, if you don't want it to be tough, Okay. But I don't want it to rest so much that it begins to create its own yeast and rice. 
all right um and just like the and also like the eggs so people will say oh you can't use eggs well because they're leavened because why because they've looked it up in a dictionary and a dictionary will say all these things that are leavening and while they may be a form of a leavening agents because yeah you can make those eggs white egg whites whisk them up real good and get them nice and fluffy and they'll you know have like their a form of leavening we don't see in the scriptures where they as because you remember they left, they did their exodus. Those first seven days was the path, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And they were, you know, journeying to wherever the most I told them to go. Uh, we don't see that they're like, and yeah, and we had to get all the eggs and recover all the eggs from our chickens that we brought with us and throw them out. Well, okay, that doesn't even make sense. Why? Because we're not supposed to have it in our land. And so if you take the egg and you throw it someplace, it's not going to be off your land common sense y'all sometimes you got to think a little bit beyond what somebody is telling you um and think of you know how we did things in the past and how realistic was it that that's actually what happened and if there is no depiction of it within the scriptural text okay I was looking at this and I was just remembering, okay, so it says that you have to remove this out of your house by the first day, right? Okay. Now, I was taught that, oh, we're in a captivity. We can't do that. We can't afford to throw our food away, blah, blah, blah. So I did that for several years. And then I just started thinking, like, looking at the stuff that I was throwing away. And mind you, there was a bunch of stuff on our list that we had to get rid of. Um, because they did tell us we had to get rid of vinegar and, and, and I don't even remember. It's been so long ago. I, I wish I would have kept one of those papers. Um, they, but cause they handed out flyers, but there was a bunch of stuff that they told us we couldn't eat. And, um, they told us we didn't have to observe. We didn't have to follow the scripture and getting it out of our houses because we're in captivity. We can't do that. It's too much of a hardship. The most high will understand and like I said, so after a couple of years, I was like looking at this stuff and I'm like, well, why? I can do this, but if I just am smart about it, I can do it. And so what I decided to do and what I recommend everyone to do is going like a month ahead of time, looking forward, um, you know, when Passover is going to be so stop buying yeast. Okay. It's real. It really is that simple. Stop buying yeast. Okay. And a lot of times you'll have stout yeast products already in your home. So a month ahead of time right now, we got about two weeks ahead of time. It's two weeks to go through your, go through your cabinets tomorrow. Everything that's yeast has yeast in it. Put it on your counter or put it in a basket that is easily accessible Okay, this is like the one time you were like, yeah, go ahead and have full access to the yeast. Why? So they'll eat it. Have the kids eat it. Oh, you're hungry? Oh, go get those soups. Warm that up. That's lunch. You know what I mean? Like, um, oh, these these um, these pitas need the, We have these pitas, these pita chips here. Oh, perfect. Put them with such and such. Eat them. This, you know, I call it our yeast feast, where we just get you know, go through and bring out everything, bring everything to the front, bring everything onto the counter. Um, and that's like our go, that's the first thing I tell them to eat. Well, what have we had over there that has yeast? 
when they're like, I'm hungry. What do we got? That What do we have right there? That's our yeast feast. We're eating that first. And we got to incorporate it into whatever else we're eating so that we can try to consume it. I don't want to throw it away. I don't want to burn it. I don't want, I want, I don't want to waste my money. I know if I'm very wise, I can get it done. Bottom line, plan ahead. You don't have to, um, and it's not a hardship, okay? Also, with that being said, you're supposed to get rid of it. So it's supposed to be out of our houses. So that means it's not supposed to be it's not supposed to be in your garage. It's not supposed to be in the trunk of your car. It's not supposed to be, um, you're not supposed to be putting a stumbling block in front of another person person who's not observing the laws and put it at their house so that you can cheat. It's not supposed to be in our land, period. And then furthermore, it says whoever eats unleavened bread within the seven days will be cut off for Yasha Allah. So, um, prior to the evening of the 14th, on which is again March 26th, all of your leaven should be taken out of your home. It should be removed and it should be burned. Okay, because it was supposed to be removed from our the borders of our land. So the only true way to do that is not to throw it away, but to burn it. And you say, I can't do that, Cheryl. I can't just burn stuff. Um, well, you'd be surprised, but... I will say, in, and when I did my one Passover in Israel, in the Orthodox community, um, they were all, there was about fires everywhere on the streets, like on the sides of the streets, the people were just burning um, yeast, and you could just, you know, throw yours on top or whatever, but, but there was, it was just the smell of burning yeast right before the Passover. How can you do it? Well, you have a grill, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's just... This would be like the prime time. I was like, try, I don't have a grill. This would be the prime time to go to <laughs> the park. And you know those grills that they have that are unclean and nasty and have a whole bunch of abominations on them? Well, they'd be perfect for burning some yeast because you're not going to be eating it. Well, take the stuff out of the bags, take it out of the packaging and start a fire, put it on there and it's done. Be creative. You can do it. You can do it. Okay, so I'm going to reiterate this. Okay, so you do not have to remove baking soda, baking powder, eggs, eggs white, egg whites, flour, or vinegar. Even though they may say um, there may be some justification or they might say someplace on some website that they are leavening. They are not sha'ar, okay? They're not the kind of leavening that we are commanded to get rid of. And if you ever notice, if you ever looked in, in um, I believe it's the Manashevitz cakes, you'll see baking soda, baking powder as one of the ingredients in their cake mixes. Not to say that they're perfect on everything. I'm just saying they understand what sha'ar is. Um, and like I said, what it is, is it's yeast. So anything that is yeast, we're getting rid of. And I'll just give you a little bit of insight. Traditionally, like I told you before, traditionally, it was like a small piece of dough that was taken out of a out of dough that had already risen. And it was used, a little piece of it was extracted from the, the prepared dough. And it was put into a new 
dough. Mixing flour and water together and letting it sit out for an extended period and it created a natural yeast and it would ferment. And one bread that we still eat on a semi-regular basis that is done in a very similar traditional way would be sourdough bread. So it may not have yeast in the ingredients, but research the way it is made and you'll see that it's the flour and water and sits and it creates um, a fermentation, which is the sourness that we get from the sourdough. See for yourself. But let me give you a reference for that so you know I'm not just making it up. Now there's a scriptural basis to what I'm saying. It's Matthew 13, 33. Matthew 13, 33. Another parable he spake unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of mill till the whole was leavened. So remember, you take the you take the piece from the already risen one, you put it in, mix it all up. That's the hiding of it into the other meal, and it was eleven's a whole new lump. Okay, and First Colossians five six, First Colossians five six. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? There is the reiteration of that. Just takes a little bit to leaven the lump. Um, and you know, you let it you leave it, you let it sit, and it rises. But these are um like first Colossians 5, 6. That's um just kind of speaking about if you have you know, people that are doing wickedness around you or in your congregation or what have you, that influence can affect the whole body. And so it's very important that we um, are being very protective of our spiritual um, and like the, in the same way that we do with our, our physical, particularly in this time frame where we're um, Getting rid, of, getting rid of the yeast and the leaven. We're getting it out, rid of, out of our homes. Well, you have to, this is the perfect opportunity. Get rid of the leavening, the sin that's within our lives right now and start walking a more straight and narrow path following the law, statutes, and commandments of the Most High. So I'm going to head up to, um, we're going to Exodus 13, 7. This is kind of um, a me giving you a little more depth on like how we're, we're not supposed to have the leavening. It says Exodus 13, 7, Exodus 13, 7, unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee. Neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in thy quarters. Once again, no leaven supposed to be seen with you or no leavened bread because Leavened bread, leavened bread is the, the, the finished product. Sha'ar is the yeast. It's the ingredient that goes into the raw material. It's the raw materials that go into the making of the leavened bread. The leavened bread itself is called chamatz. Chamatz, that's the Hebrew word. And it's not supposed to be eaten and it's not supposed to be seen with you. And it's not supposed to be in your homes. 
So what I do recommend is, if at all possible, because we the fact of the matter is, is that we are not in in our kingdom where we can have things done decently and in order and in the in conjunction with the way the most highest told us to do things. So when we go into these stores during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we're surrounded by a bunch of kamats, kamats and shar. Because they have sha'ar there too for you to make your own kamats. But we're not supposed to be having those during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the the grocery store is not where you want to be during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What does that mean? That means buying a lot of food and being very prepared and having a, a meal plan and trying to get all of your stuff that you can, that you must have, um prior to the beginning of Passover, which is again is the evening of March 26th. That way you don't have to go into a place where there is Sha'ar or Kamatz. And you can keep the Passover <clears throat> the way you want to. And maybe you might need fruits and vegetables. Maybe you can go to like a farmer's market or a little stand or something uh, where you don't have to necessarily go in and maybe there, hopefully there won't be any leavened bread there. But that would be ideal. That would be perfect if you could manage to be so organized and 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 have everything done, all your I's dotted, all your T's crossed, so that you do not have to go into a store. Okay, let me hit Deuteronomy 16.4, Deuteronomy 16.4, and there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coasts seven days. Neither shall there anything of the flesh which thou sacrificest the first day at even remain until all night until the morning. So you remember anything, anything of the flesh of the sacrifice that was left over until morning, we were supposed to burn. So once again, you're supposed to burn all of your yeast. I used to say, get it out of your house, throw it away um, and get it, you know, like the most close garbage day but that doesn't get it out of your coast does it no it's just in a garbage bag in your dump on your coast so the only way to truly um fulfill this law is to burn it so like i said get a grill if you have a grill just use your grill if you don't have a grill go to the park use their grill um you're gonna just be burning stuff that's what the grill's for right um and you might need to do it, you know, on the DL, like not just be blatant about it. And you really shouldn't have that much to burn, right? Because you've been planning in advance and eating and having a yeast feast and getting all that stuff out of the household. So there shouldn't be that much to just throw up on the grill. Okay. And uh, hey, and, uh, and in addition to eating up what you have, don't bring any more in. So I like to try to stop at you know, about two to three weeks before Passover, stop buying breads and stuff and, you know, go through, clean the house, get all the crumbs, vacuum, because this is the thing. If you have little ones, (laughs) they manage to find the most obscure places where little crumbs and cracker, not crack, yeah, little crumbs and little crackers and such whatever the case may be things that you like man where did that come from 
they find it and it just happens to be that it's a you know piece of bread crust or something that somebody left to get all hard and crusty um and the little ones say hey look at this and they start eating you're like oh no it's passover what are you doing so yeah just go through start your deep cleaning vacuum do the car um, do the sweeping just go through your cabinets wipe everything out and just try to get everything that you can out of the house okay um, and don't bring anything into the house and so these are what I'm gonna tell you to okay look at your labels I can't reiterate it enough times I can't tell you for sure uh, most uh, most of the things that um, that have yeast like there will be something that I'm going to leave out no question about it because they just slip it in here from time to time but these are the things that I've seen that I've noticed and that I'm gonna tell you so you can at a glance be like okay oh, yeah, let me double check that or oh yeah that's definitely gotta go so look at your breads look at your donuts your seasonings some seasonings have some sort of yeast in them um, you get rid of look at your soups both the cans and the powder form their favorite chips most of them have some sort of um, yeast in them read your labels uh, but at the on the flip side your plain chips those are usually two ingredients three ingredients plain chips are usually the potatoes oil and salt so you're safe there okay um, look at your cereals okay now most of your cereals are gonna be okay it's that random cereal that has yeast in it I have seen one in my lifetime and I don't remember what it was that will have yeast and it'll throw it'll throw you off and you'll be like oh I'm violating um, so yeah double check that so also pizza dough so you're not gonna be ordering pizza from the pizza place during Passover if you want pizza you're gonna need to make unleavened pizza without yeast okay you make your own because any of the pizza doughs that you get they're gonna have um, yeast in them also check your cheeses now the cheese is a tricky one because it won't say yeast you have to contact the supplier for that because um, what it'll say is it'll say rent it um, and rent it's used in the manufacturing and the production of cheese but the rennet can be derived from various sources so it is possible to get that have the rennet be of yeast so if you have ones that say and you're gonna have to spend more for those kosher for Passover you're safe but otherwise you need to contact the manufacturer and so you need to contact the manufacturer now because if it's someplace like Aldi they might take a week to a couple of weeks to get back with you and you won't know if you need to, to throw it out and after I, and what I'll say is if you can't figure it out right now like within the next week or so eat it and don't buy it anymore until you find something that that is okay I know some of the kosher ones I mean Kroger ones are okay a lot of the Sargento ones are okay but again you don't know by each unless you ask the very broad question do 
any of your rennets from any of your cheese and are they they derive from yeast and you might be able to get a, an answer but a lot of the times they want you to have a specific package the specific package label so you have only you'll just only be able to find them at one at a time that's why I say do it now, do it now, because I've actually had <clears throat> all these get back with me like weeks later, like I had forgotten I even sent an inquiry. It took them so long to get back with me. So I just like to find a couple of things like, okay, if this is what I know I need, call on those, inquire about those specifically. And then once I get my yes or no, if once I get like, no, it's not in there, that's what I'm sticking with. I'm not going to keep calling. I don't want to keep being bothered with it. These, I'm going to be loyal to these for the time and duration of Passover. So also, pretzels will have yeast in them and your pet foods. So yeah, your pet needs to observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, okay? So no yeast. You're going to have to find alternatives. Look at their pet food. See if it has yeast in it. So one last thing I do want to kind of go over real fast well one of the two last things is what can you eat so like I said you can eat most most cereals are fine you can eat rice yes you can eat pasta I, I say you can eat pasta now if you're of the people that say that you know if you, you can't eat wheat and you can't have you know the wheat has to be processed within a certain time da, 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 then you wouldn't want to eat pasta you'd have to maybe look into the rice noodles um, but we personally will eat pasta, but I generally tend to eat a lot of rice anyways. You can eat beans, you can eat um, normal things, you can eat, you can drink your dairy, you can drink, um, you know, your juices, your wines. Some wines have yeast in them, so your safest bet is to get one that's kosher for Passover. Um, and I know... I think Mohdin David and um, definitely, definitely, definitely Manischewitz. You guys, it's been a couple years since I've had Passover in America, so I'm, you know, trying to do the best I can to remember brand names. I don't, we don't have those brands here, um, so I think I'm giving you the right names. Look on the label, though, the label, the label, the label. They have um, lots of good information on them, and they will tell you if they're kosher for Passover. And normally, when you go into like a Kroger or something, they'll have a kosher for Passover section, okay? And that would be like a really great area for you to kind of get things from so that you know what you're getting. Oh, and don't forget, oh, let me, I almost, I almost forgot. One of the things that um, is um, a bread product that looks like it might be okay, but it's not, it's going to be pitas. Pitas um, have yeast in them, generally speaking, and ergo pita chips will have yeast in them. So those are things that, you know, you're like, oh, it's a flatbread, but look at the label. I can't say it enough times. You'll be surprised um, as you do this and you start trying to experiment with different foods and you'll be like, why does it have yeast in it? I've even seen yeast. I've seen yeast in um, gyro meat that I've gotten from um, an Arab spot. It had yeast in it, and I was like, and it wasn't during Pat. It wasn't during Passover, so I was like, huh, that's good to know. So mental note, you know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna. I don't want to bring this into the house too close to Passover. 
So, yeah, it's really inconvenient, but you have to do it. So you just got to go through everything, okay? Also, you can eat things like cakes and cookies and crackers. Generally speaking, look at your labels. But because they have like, they'll have like baking soda, baking powder in them, and those are not the sha'ar that we're talking about. Um, but you know, a lot of times, you know, this since this is such a special um, event that you do tend to try to make stuff a little bit more from scratch and stuff. So a lot of times it's not as much of a worry, but you know, sometimes you like to have that stuff on hand, especially if you have little ones where you can just be like, here, pull this out and they can have some so they are okay to eat okay so um but i can't think of any other um items that i get questions on um i have given you a pretty good overview of what you cannot eat and what you can eat um one thing that i did forget though is to tell you about the bitter herbs when we were talking about the bitter herbs is that is one of the things that we must have and I think I did kind of touch on it but I didn't go into specificity so wild herbs were generally speaking like um some older versions of wild lettuce um go to your farmer's market see gosh your farmer market's out where you guys are <laughs> you might be able to find some though look online you've got a computer in your hand so go to a farmer's market um there might be some like artisanal lettuces and they'll have um try them now see are you, i'm sure you can even sample them like can i taste it and see how bitter it is ask them they would know they're farmers um but going to the store endive chicory um I learned that it's kind of best to let your fingers do the walking and call, call your Kroger and your Meyer and your um, Giant Eagle and your Piggly Wiggly and all of those um, or save a lot. I don't even know. Call these places and, and it'll take you a little while, but it is generally faster than going, getting in the car and going to each one of them individually, looking for the item that you need right now. It is so much more convenient, but you're going to want, obviously those are an herb. So you're going to want to do that like the day before. Um, so those are the traditional ones. Um, and like I said, dandelion, like the dandelion leaves, those are super bitter so they would be perfect for um this occasion because the bitterness is supposed to remind us of our captivity and so those are awesome and if it's um with this being early spring early early spring it might be difficult for some of you in the colder climates to get them like just but you know I, I don't know what you're capable of. You I don't I you might luck up on some. I, even though luck is not a good thing, you might be blessed to find some. So and then okay, so a lot of people use horseradish, and so that is um, I think Amlek uses that, and um, Yasha Allah and One West they use that a lot. Um, it's very old school. I think I think it's some people that use it a lot, lot. Um, and we, you can get it as a root, and you can it has like this rough outer skin. And you can just peel that off, and then you just it's 
super intense and it's strong and it'll clear your nasal passages. Um, it's harsh. And so, um, but it, it is what a lot of people will use traditionally. However, it would not have been considered something that we would have used traditionally in, 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 ancient, in ancient times. So that's the bitter herbs. I think I covered everything for bitter herbs. Hey, and th- okay, so this is the one last thing. One, one last thing I think I should be done. If I, I reference the blood and Yahawashai and the wine. So um, we do uh, basically like a, for lack of a better word, the communion. Reference Luke chapter 22 verses, I don't know, roughly 15 through um, 20. Read those, read them for yourself. That's generally what we use for communion, communion and where we have our piece of unleavened bread, our lamb, bitter herbs, and wine, okay? Um, so, guys, I think that's it. I've got this little baby kind of crazy. I need to deal with her. So I'm wrapping it up. I will say, Anya, have a con. I love you all. And for right now, um, I'm about to go. I hope I answered all your questions. If you have any further questions, hit me up. uh, Inbox me. Leave me a voice message. um, Whatever works for you. And um, I'm going to say, Shalom Lakan, ladies, peace be unto you. And Shalom. Okay, so once again, this is Shara in 2022. And I wanted to bring out a little bit more about the biblical leavening because I know this is going to be a concept that is difficult for people to understand. And bottom line is that you need to throw out your Merriam-Webster's modern day dictionary because it will confuse you. Forget about it. Act like it doesn't exist because that is not the biblical leavening. And when you try to pull it in, you're only confusing yourself and adding to the law. Period. Recently I had a conversation and somebody said, oh, so you're just going to pick one source. So, touche to that. Let's go to a couple different sources. So, first in this episode, I brought out Strong's definition. Um, when we go to the Justinius' Hebrew Chaldean lexicon, the definition for that is fermentation. Now, mind you, I'm giving you the definition of the word leaven. It's the biblical definition for that English word leaven so one more if we're throwing out the modern day Merriam-Webster's dictionary what do we use when we're trying to decipher what the Bible is trying to tell us so we use a 1611 dictionary a 1611 dictionary those can be found online you can purchase one for yourself i have no idea how much those cost i'd imagine they're not cheap Um, but that 1611 dictionary is going to tell us what the definition of the word is 
that were defining as it was in 1611. Meaning, if you were to look up the word 11 in 1611 and you grabbed a dictionary in the year 1611 and you opened up the dictionary to the word 11, this would be the definition in that moment. Not in today's time, but in the year 1611, because that definition is what they were trying to convey at that time, not what we see in the current dictionary. So when you're looking up and studying, and and this applies to many words that we find in the Bible, go to the original meaning. Don't go to the modern day meaning. Words have changed and evolved since the year 1611. So we're going to, we're going to ab1611.com. The word is leaven. Definition is a mass of sourdough which mixed with a larger quantity of dough or paste produces fermentation in it and renders it light, light like airy. During the seven days of the Passover, no leaven was permitted to be in the houses of the Jews. What kind of leaven? The leaven which was of sourdough, which produced fermentation and rendered it light. That's the leaven that it's talking about. So when it goes to the definition number two, because there's two definitions here, definition number one is the definition of the Hebrew word. Definition number two is going to be the definition from the New Testament. And it says anything which makes a general change in the mass, it generally means something which corrupts or depraves that which it is mixed. So somebody's going to take that and say, oh, it makes it's a general change in the mass. But it's a general change in the mass as it pertains to the biblical leaven in verse, I'm sorry, in definition number one so definition two directly relates and correlates with definition number one because that's the only kind of leavening it's talking about is that which had fermentation of a dough okay and when you think about the um, definition number two and how it pertains in the new testament what it's always talking about it's always talking about taking a piece of dough and mixing it in with the mass and that mass, that leavening, leavening the whole lump in a corrupt form. Meaning it takes time. If you have a little bit of sin in your soul, generally speaking overnight or within, because when you're dealing with like baking soda and baking powder, that reaction is fairly instantaneous. Like if I make pancakes and put it all together, I see the bubbles immediately as I'm mixing it up. The kind of significance that we see in Exodus is that it took a long time and it was significant because they were not used to letting their dough sit for an extended period so that it could rise and they could have leavened bread. But that same principle does not apply when you're dealing with baking soda and baking powder. Remember that. So just the same way as if you have 
people in the congregation who are corrupting the body of the congregation, it takes time. They will erode at the congregation little by little. So it's that little bit of leaven that comes in a spiritual sense that corrupts the mass. And it's done normally over a period of time, which makes it, you know, fester and grow. So let's go to another reference. I'm on Christianity.com. It is quoting Smith's Bible Dictionary. Okay, so the dictionary, the, the word that we I have looked up is leaven. Let me read it for you. Various substances were known to have fermenting qualities, but the ordinary leaven consisted of a lump of dough in a high state of fermentation, which was mixed into the mass of dough prepared for baking. Baking, the use of leaven was strictly forbidden in all offerings made to Yahweh by fire. Okay, so it goes on to say more, but because it gives you a more thorough concept of what leaven is, but for the sake of time, it, it, it just is dealing once again with a fermented dough, which once again is not what we're going to see with the utilization of what people are trying to say you must get out of your household, which is the baking soda, the baking powder. Even some people go, you know, do say eggs and stuff. So it is not talking about that. Biblical leavening does not include those things. Modern day English translations of leavening, that is included. Okay, so I know it's going to be very hard. People are very skeptical that I don't know what I'm talking about. But throw that dictionary away. And it, that dictionary, that Merriam-Webster's dictionary will confuse you, not just on leaven, but there's other things too, because words evolve over time. The meaning of words evolve over time. So it can mean something very different now than it did when um, those translators were translating the scrolls. So we're actually, you know, we're translating the scrolls or then, then, the Masoretic text. So just keep that in mind. I know you might have a hard time letting that go, but I cannot teach you that that's what needs to be done because it, the biblical context does not support it. The English does, but the biblical Hebrew, and we got to get back to the Hebrew because, because when we go to Ecclesiasticus, so we go to Ecclesiasticus 1.1, and I will spare you, I, I can't read all of it because it's just too much, but read through it for yourself. And it says, for the same things uttered in Hebrew and translated into another tongue have not the same force in them. And not only these things, but the law itself and the prophets and the rest of the books have no small difference when they are spoken in their own language. But when you're not speaking it in the Hebrew, there are differences. There can be big, small differences. There can be big differences. But Hebrew is Hebrew. All right. So that's, I'm going to conclude on that.
editing, I um, realized there was a couple things that I left out and I wanted to include real fast. So, um, first of all, in regards to the bitter herbs, there are these little cubes that you can buy that have um, a lot of potency and are very bitter. So, I would do not recommend them. They are, um, I guess, traditional, maybe with Amalek, um, but I would say they are not traditional as far as in ancient times. So that's why I don't recommend them. They're not an, um, they're not the, you know, fresh herbs. I recommend those instead. And, um, but I would say if for some reason that you could not get fresh bitter herbs for some extreme circumstance then that would probably suffice also I did not mention that beer malt malt liquor all of those contain yeast therefore they would not be allowed during the feast of unleavened bread so you would need to get rid of those prior to the beginning of the of Passover. Uh, finally, uh, if for some reason you are unclean due to a dead body, and if you don't know the unclean uncleanness laws in regards to dead bodies, please look it up. But and, you know, do your research. But there is a protocol, and so if for some reason you're unclean because of a dead body or you're unclean or you are unable to observe passover because you're on a far off journey then there is a provision in numbers nine that will allow you to observe a, the passover in the second month i'll read it real fast for you it's numbers nine verse 10 and 11 verses 10 and 11 there's more to it but these are the two verses i'm going to read Speak unto the children of Yahshua Allah, saying, If any man of you or of your posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body, or be in a journey afar off, yet he shall keep the Passover unto Yahweh. Verse 11, The fourteenth day of the second month at even, they shall keep it, and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. So... That means, if I, like I said, if you're unclean because of a dead body or you're on a journey, um, during the second month on the 14th day at even, you are able to observe the Passover officially, okay? So um, that means, again, like you're going to do exactly the same thing, exactly the same way exactly the same time of the month the only difference is you're doing it on the second month and um also i advise you if for some reason you got caught slipping during the first passover and you find yourself in violation obviously you need to repent um but what you can do um to try to atone for that is to repeat the Passover on the second month. Now there is no provision for it, but I think the Most High would respect it, and that's what we do personally. If you know we accidentally consumed it, 
um, which we're not supposed to. That's why it's supposed to be out of your house. But, you know, I'm just saying, worst case scenario, this is an option for you to try to make amends with the Most High and show Him that you can do it. So, finally, let me please apologize. Uh, with all of the background noise and everything, I had to get it out. I had to make the recording. It had to be done when I can make time. And so I squeezed in um, this opportunity to make these recordings. And the children were awake and they were doing their thing and they were loud and there was banging and the dishes were being washed and things of that nature. So... Yeah, I know it's unprofessional, but I got you the information, and that was the most important thing for me so that I could honor my obligation and help you all through these, this Passover preparation season. So there's lots of amas and lots of shh that I actually cut out. So I did try, but it, there was just so much going on. But... Once again, I am going to say Shalom Lakan, peace be unto y'all ladies, because I it's a wrap and shalom peace. This is Sharaya Lakana coming to you from 2022 once again. And this time I wanted to kind of give further explanation, make it a little bit more clear as to what I was saying. When I came into the truth, they gave us a whole big list of things that we couldn't eat. Um, They told us we couldn't eat flour. There was only one brand of flour that we could eat. Um, They told us we couldn't eat vinegar. And so that meant no products with vinegar in it, meaning ketchup, mustard, barbecue sauce, things of that nature. I believe they told us no baking soda, no baking powder, and no cheese, unless it was kosher. So, that that is a lot, especially the vinegar. So, there were a lot of things we could not eat, and we spent a lot of the time just hungry, because we were in college, we didn't really have time, to, not time, but the accessibility to make our own foods or what have you, so... I just remember being very hungry because there was so many things that we couldn't eat that, you know, and we weren't really like being shown how to do this. So, um, there's all these things they tell you you cannot eat, right? They don't tell you, they didn't tell us how to keep it, how to be obedient. What they said was, you're not supposed to eat these things. You're not supposed to have them in your house, but the most high understands if you have to keep it, but just don't eat it. And so that was that that thing where we were given the, uh, we were not instructed properly how to keep Passover. We were not instructed the importance of keeping the law. Um, And there was a lot of, um, you know, get out of jail free cards, you know, grace cards. There are a lot of grace cards passed out for Anything, like I said, anything that was inconvenient. You know, all oh, the most I understand is we, we live in captivity. You can't afford to throw your stuff out. So that's the kind of, that's the angle I was coming from. So that's, you know, after a few years of that, you know, really looking at what we're eating, 
Um, then coming to the realization that, you know, you vinegar is not restricted. So that kind of freed things up a little bit. Then, you know, e- even at that point, we were still not throwing everything away. Maybe putting it, bagging it up and putting it in the garage or something. But looking at it and saying, you know, I, I shouldn't have to throw this stuff away. If I just planned better, there'd be a lot less stuff I have to throw away. So it wouldn't be an, an economic hardship to be obedient to the law. But I had to come up with that myself. There was no, I would think I told you all before this, I had no female elder, aqua, to turn to to ask, how do I do this? So that, that right there was um, a very much a learning for us. Now, one thing I did forget to include in the list of prohibited items is beer. There is no beer during Passover. Okay. Um, if you didn't realize, beer is made with the brewer's yeast. Therefore, it's a product of the kamats. Um, Let's see. So one last time, I hope that I have covered everything to your satisfaction uh, and to your necessity. But I'm going to just reiterate these a couple points one last time. If you didn't hear me the first hundred times, hear me this last time. Read your labels. Check your labels. If you're not sure about something, call the manufacturer while you have time right now. Finally, my last point is to reiterate the days of importance for 2022. Firstly, the new year is going to begin on Thursday, March 31st and end at night on Friday, April 1st. Once again, that means you need to have everything that you need for both your Kadash new moon and Shabbat, seventh day Shabbat, everything you need to make sure you have everything um, taken care of before you go into that new moon on Thursday. So by Thursday night, you need to have everything that you need for at, at least those two days. Passover is Thursday, April 14th at dusk. And like I said, traditionally, um, three o'clock PM was when we started cooking the lamb. Um, had that little bad boy on the fire. Um, but your ceremony for the observation and commemoration of the Passover of the Exodus will be around dusk, around dusk sometimes, sometime. So as you are, so that Passover right there, that is just only, you know, your, your prayers, um, your prayers, your unleavened bread, your bitter herbs, your lamb and your wine. tell you something that's really important about the this portion uh, what some people call the communion uh, for lack of a better word there's something really important that you need to know because a lot of times you know Passover is one of those 
um, events where, you know, if you've been teaching somebody a little bit, you'll invite them to the Passover so they can get a feel for what it looks like or what um, being a Hebrew Israelite can look like. But this communion portion, this portion where you're going to do for your Passover ceremony, this has a lot of significance to it. So um, real fast, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, verses 26 through 29. I'm going to read it real fast for you. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Talking about Yahusha. Verse 28. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the lord's body pretty powerful huh so that communion portion shouldn't be for everybody if there are people that you've invited to your Passover celebration memorial um, they need to examine themselves and they need to see if they're worthy of taking part in the communion portion if that's not the case then you have the option of them just you know falling back during that time frame or having them not come until that service portion is done it is your obligation to let them know the importance and the significance of what they're about to partake in. And then as you're finishing that up, more than likely as you're passing out plates and serving food, you're beginning your feast of unleavened bread. Um, and that begins, like I said, April 14th at nighttime after the sun goes down. You're now in day one of the seven day feast, which is a Shabbat. And you will have a, you are mandated to have a holy convocation. There is no work, no buying, no selling, no sex, but you can cook. And the last day, the last day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread will be Wednesday, April 20th at night, and it will conclude at Thursday, April 21st at night. So when that sun goes down, April 21st at nighttime, everything's over. You can go get your pizza, you can drink your beer, you can have donuts, you can, you know, run out to the store and buy bread to your heart's content and you can consume it freely all you want to. And one last thing, if I didn't make it clear enough, and I know I said it, I want you to, I want you to make sure you understand the commandment is not only do we remove all of the leaven and all of the chamats, so the sha'ar, which is the yeast, and the, the biblical yeast, don't forget, biblical yeast and you're removing all of the chamats, which is anything that was made with the yeast. 
any product made from the yeast, the fermented yeast. But one last thing, the commandment says you must eat unleavened bread every day of the feast, even if it's only one bite, even if it's gluten-free, even if you don't eat bread, like I just don't eat bread. You do for this feast, at least one bite, okay? If you don't eat meat, the commandment says you have to eat the lamb. Even if you just have the one bite, you fulfilled your lawful mandate of observing the Passover. All right, y'all. It was a good lesson. I hope, like I said, I hope I covered everything. If I didn't, you have any more questions? Hit me up. I am available. And Shalom. Okay, y'all, this is the end. It's a wrap on this episode. So I will say, um, if you like what you hear, please support. I do not monetize my podcast. So if you can, do me a favor. Hit me up on Cash App, dollar sign. B-Y-M-Y-12 once again dollar sign B-Y-M-Y-12 and also you can contribute you send money to a friend on PayPal and that is GarciaJLG at Yahoo.com for that but um and if you can't like just donate check me out on my Etsy shop it is Etsy.com backslash shop backslash Halaka Life all one word H-A- L-A-K-A-H-L-I-F-E. And I have all kinds of merchandise there. I have patches. Anything you can do to support, I'd appreciate it. I have cool dog tags, Mashroya Shala. And I'm uh, frequently adding more merchandise as I can. I recently came out with greeting cards for the Holy Days. Uh, I'm slowly slowly building that collection and, and, and intend to add additional greeting cards so support 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 i'd appreciate it and sawada once again for joining me shira yawakana in a woman's halaka uh shalom lakan peace be unto you and shalom peace